Episode 270, Tapestry. I'm Chris Stevenson, and this is Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming podcast. I'm here today to talk about Tapestry, the latest release from Stonemeyer Games. I think it's appropriate to throw an entire episode to this because Stonemeyer games have become something of event releases. It's always a big deal when one of these comes out. They've had a, a consistently high level of quality, fantastic production values, and Tapestry in particular was both highly anticipated and has become a lightning rod for some particular issues and, and flashpoints of discussion on Board Game Geek and such. And so I'm going to review this the game this episode, although this isn't a learn-how-to-play video. First, I want to go over some of the basics of how the game works. But just to give you an advanced preview of, of the ultimate conclusion, I actually agree, at least in part, with a decent amount of the criticisms that I've seen leveled against Tapestry. However, I think those leveling those criticisms have significantly overstated their impact on the game. And the important thing is, at least to me, at the end of the day, it's a really fun game that I really liked playing. So Tapestry, it's one to five players. So like a lot of one to five player games, I have no opinion whatsoever on the one player aspect. I do play solo games. I call them video games. I mean, I don't really have time for that, but it, when I do play solo games, I play video games. So like all the Stonemeyer games, Tapestry has a solo mode. I offer no comment on it. No clue. It plays up to five. Like a lot of Euro games, it's going to start to drag at five. You probably want to stick to four. Tapestry is designed by Jamie Stegmeyer. It's got an officially listed playtime of 90 to 120 minutes, and thematically, it is a civilization game. Each player is taking a civilization from mastering fire to, you know, going to the stars and the AI singularity and, and so on and so forth. At the heart, though, the mechanics are going to be Eurogame, resource management, and engine building. The central part of the gameplay of Tapestry is about four tracks, one on each side of the board. There's an exploration track, a technology track, a science track, and a military track. And on each player's turn, they will choose one of those tracks, pay the appropriate number of resources, and advance their marker one spot up the track, getting whatever the effect is. There is a little map, the exploration track among other things, will let you draw tiles and then play tiles out on the board, generating victory points and resources. The science track will let you roll the science die, which will then move you up on a random track. The military track will let you take the conquest action, which lets you put one of your outposts out on a territory that's already on the board, thus taking over it. This lets you roll a couple of dice, and you'll get to choose the benefit of one of those. One gives you resources, one gives you victory points. You can choose which you want depending on the stage of the game and how much you need that particular resource right now. And the technology track lets you get and then upgrade technology cards. And technology cards 
give you nothing when you get them, at least inherently. And then when you upgrade them the first time, you get a, a first benefit and then a second benefit when you upgrade them again. Usually those two are tied together. Like the first benefit will be get a thing. And then the second benefit will be get points based on how many of that thing that you have. Now that is the distinctive aspect of each of those tracks. Each of those tracks also has some common things that they do. And the most common thing that they will do is they will let you build a building. The, the name of the building depends on the track. It's a it's like a tr you know, it's some sort of treasury building. I don't think it's a merchant for the technology track and there's an armory for the military track. You can tell how much attention I ultimately paid to what the names of any of these things are. <laughs> and when you build one of those buildings, what you are doing is you are permanently increasing your income and perhaps your victory points. Because in classic Jamie Stegmeier, a building on Terra Mystica fashion, each of those buildings starts on your player board covering up a spot. And when you build the building, you take it off of your player board, thus activating the income that was beneath the building. So two things there. One, what do you do with the building when you take it off? We know that Jamie Stegmeier does not just like you to take things off of your player board. He then likes you to put them somewhere. So you not only get something for picking it up, you get a benefit for putting it down. The place where you put it down is your capital, which is kind of a second smaller player board. And this is a nine by nine square grid. And each of those buildings conveniently fits into exactly one of those squares. And this lets you develop certain benefits. When you fill in an entire district, which is one of the nine three by three sections, you get a bonus resource. When you do scoring, you can get points for the number of completed rows and the number of completed columns that you have. So early on in the game, you don't really do much in the way of victory points. Eventually, though, if you do other certain things, uh, you can gain a substantial number of victory points near the end of the game if you've really filled in that board. Okay, you've got those buildings. You've moved them off. Now it's revealed an income. Well, when does income come into it? Tapestry is a game that does not have a fixed number of turns per player. And you have two kinds of turns. You have the normal kind of turn that I have talked about, just the normal action turn. You also have an income turn. And you sort of get five of these over the course of the game. The first income turn is really basically just set up. The final income turn is your last turn. And so on the income turn, you get resources and you also get some victory points. The later you get in the game, the bigger the victory point aspect of it becomes. And each of the different tracks has its own particular resource. Early on in the game, you can use any resource to advance on any of these tracks. And as you get higher up the tracks, first it requires some of that resource, and then it requires, okay, still some of that resource, but more random resources, and eventually multiple of that resource to advance on the track. And so each of these income tracks on your board will get you some of those resources. Right at the start of the game, your resource generation is one of each. 
And then, you know, eventually you can get up to, you know, maybe four or five of each if you're clearing out the row. Each of those rows also generates, you know, income in the form of victory points. The technology row gets you income for having tech cards. The science row gets you income for having your capital city built out. The exploration row just gives you static victory points. And then the military row gives you points for having control of spaces on the board, right? Those the little hexes where you put your outposts earlier. But we've still missed a couple of significant aspects of the game. One is tapestry cards. One of the things that you do during your income phase, not the first one, but everyone after that, is play a tapestry card. And you essentially start the game with a tapestry card because you get one automatically during your first income phase. You don't play one during your first income phase. So you get one during your first income phase. You'll probably pick up a couple more from out on the board. And then when you get to your second income phase, you'll choose one of them to play. These might have immediate effects. They also might have an ongoing effect during that era. And they could immediately give you victory points. They could immediately give you some more resources. They could immediately move you around on tracks. Like you go down on three tracks and you go up three spaces on one of the tracks. Or it says you're not allowed to advance in military, but then you get bonuses when anybody else does military. Or, you know, theocracy, you're not allowed to advance in science, but you can get some other bonuses. That sort of thing. And you you get that, like I said, it's either right away or it's for the duration of that era. So like what I said earlier, game is of uncertain number of turn length. How long is an era? Well, an era is essentially however long you can make your resources last. So this is where some of this resource management comes up. You get your primary batch of resources at your income phase. And then you have to look at the board and you have to figure out at least in a general sense, what your plan is for that era. Because you know generally how many resources you have. And you know and you know you were going to get a few extra resources along the way for various things that you do. Like you know, you know that if you advance on the technology track here, you're gonna move that building there, you're gonna put it over there in your capital, that's gonna give you another resource, you know how you're going on. So there is definitely a real planning out element to this more as the game goes on it matters what your resources are it matters less at the beginning because the first the first quarter of each track doesn't matter what resource you're you're using the next quarter of each track well you need one resource to go up or to, up a particular track but the other resource you use for the particular spot on that track is anything and you always have some production in everything so you, you always have at least some ability to move up a track. And most of the time when you when you gain an extra, it's either a certain resource or it's a resource of your choice. There are a few where it's going to be random, like the die roll off of conquering. That usually doesn't really matter much because what you care is that it's just one more resource. Because there's plenty of places where you can use whatever resource that it's usually not that big a deal. There are two remaining components of tapestry that I have not mentioned. One of them is landmarks. This is another thing that is in common to all of the boards and comes from some of the technology cards. You could never have enough buildings to actually fully build out your capital city. But 
the first person to advance to the next stage on each of those tracks on the side of the board gets a landmark. And this is a larger building. Some of them are two by two. Some of them are three by three. Some of them are four by two. I mean, there's, there's a variety of shapes. They're, you know, mostly rectangular ones in L. And you put these out on your board. And that covers up a, a large chunk of territory. It, gets you a, it can get you a lot closer to completing districts to get resources and completing those rows and columns to get some more victory points later. These are the most highly produced aspect of tapestry. They're not the only one. The buildings actually are very nice little plastic miniatures. This is not a game that comes with, oh, here's a punch-out token, right? I mean, you've got a few little cubes for player markers, but th the main thing that each player gets in their bag, because I divide my game components up by this is what the player needs at the start of the game, is these buildings, right? That farm, it's a little tiny hut. I mean, I say tiny. I mean, it's it's a hut. It's, you know, maybe a centimeter square. You know, it's a real nice piece of plastic. And the landmarks are bigger and fancier. They're painted, so they're multicolored. They are undoubtedly overproduced. Like, half of the game box is these landmarks. They're very nice looking. Nothing as, like, artistically dramatic as, say, Scythe's miniatures, but, you know, not... <laughs> it's, a, it's a rare game that's going to have Scythe-level minis and, and art. The final thing is a civilization, right? You can't have a civilization game without some sort of civilization. And so these are essentially asymmetric player powers. At the start of the game, everybody gets a civilization, basically random what you get. And some of the civilizations do things right away at the start of the game and then don't do anything else. Some of the civilizations give you some extra scoring things at the end of the game. Some of the civilizations give you different things to do with your buildings instead of putting them in your capital. The most common sort of things that the civilization do is some variation on you get an extra resource or resources each time you do one of your income turns. You know, obviously, they're, they're not all the same. It's going to depend what resource it is, what do you have to do to get this extra resource, that sort of thing. But th those are the most, most common things. And so that, overall, is the game, right? Get some resources, carefully plan out what you're doing to move yourself up on the tracks. In the course of moving up on those tracks, you will unlock things on your board so that when you next have to take an income turn, you get even more resources and so on and so forth until you have one final income turn where you're just seeing how many victory points you've collected from how you've built your capital city and all the different parts of your player board that you've uncovered. So, like I said at the beginning, I really liked playing Tapestry. The people I played with liked playing Tapestry. It is a fun game. Uh, it was a fun way to do resource management. It was nifty plotting out how to go up on the tracks. And and so at, at the end of it, that was just fun. You definitely have the whole like, oh, I'm doing little things at the beginning, and then I have these big complicated series of moves that you have to plan out at the end. But like I, I said earlier, Tapestry has also drawn a, a significant amount of commentary and some critique. And I think that those warrant addressing because they, I mean, they're, they're definitely out there. So the first thing is, I mean, kind of, I, I guess even before the game came out was the landmarks, right? Was the, 
are the landmarks overproduced? And I, I, this must have been a thing even before the game came out because Stonemeyer actually had in uh, maybe in one of their newsletters or something a discussion of oh was it ever an option to release a version of the game that didn't have the super fancy landmarks? Were they really necessary? And how much did they add to the cost? And you know the I mean the answer was ultimately. Well, no, we think they're a significant part of the game, and we, you know, this is part of the experience of the game. We want to do that, and I don't think I would even this would even have occurred to me had I not seen other people discussing it, because I, I just would have looked at it and been like, "Oh, those are nice pieces," and not worried about it. But are they overproduced? Sure, right? I mean, almost all of the Stonemeyer games have something that. They're all very highly produced, and a lot of them have some element that's overproduced. I mean, right, did Scythe need a big, gigantic board? Do, they, do you need realistic resources? Do you need finely modeled buildings? Do you need, like, mech pieces running around? You, no, you don't need those things. So, like I said, for a lot of these criticisms, like, I kind of agree with it, but I, it doesn't really negatively impact. So, are the landmarks overproduced? Yeah. Is that a problem to me? No. Now, something that is a problem with the landmarks, unfortunately, is that the landmarks are ultimately the mechanical function of these landmarks is like Tetris pieces on the on your capital city board. And so functionally, as a Tetris piece, the main thing that a landmark needs to do is, you know, cover up a certain amount of real estate. So you need to be able to tell what amount of real estate the landmark covers up. And there's a lot of the landmarks that don't really do that. I mean, one, a lot of the landmarks, they have to have kind of a, a border around the edge of them to actually get the base big enough to see what you're, you're covering. And that would be fine if those edges actually covered it up. You're okay on, say, the two-by-two two landmarks, but there are too many landmarks that... If you just picked up the landmark and looked at it, you wouldn't really know how big it is. The biggest difference seems to be the ones that are supposed to take up four. They just aren't four spaces wide. I mean, there's one of them that, okay, if you put it on the board, you can see that the the edges of the border that sticks out just barely go past three in length. So maybe you'd be able to deduce that it's four. But for the most part, you, you really have to look at the landmark board or the tech card that's giving you the landmark, which shows you in a shape what, what the, the game function shape of the landmark is. That's a drawback. It's a minor annoyance, but it's definitely annoyance. You've got this big, nice, gorgeous-looking piece that is not quite as functional as you would like it to be. There's been complaints about randomness in the game. Is there randomness in the game? Yes. How much does it matter? Some of it matters a lot. Some of it does not matter a ton. There's randomness in which exploration tiles you get. There's randomness in rolling the dice. It feels to me like the fact that people have singled that out as a significant random element means that they're kind of grasping at straws trying to look for something to criticize because it just doesn't matter that much. It can it matter? Yeah, but like I said, there's there's so many places where you can spend any resource and any randomness. I mean, if you don't have those, you're you're talking about a game that has no randomness whatsoever, which is not really 
you know, there's not a ton of games that have no randomness whatsoever. But, you know, if you want no randomness whatsoever, no, Tapestry doesn't do that. There's also randomness in which civilization you get. Are the civilizations perfectly balanced against each other? No, I don't think so. Is there really any way to go after another player if you think that they've got the too good civilization? Nope. Hint, I was talking about this moment, it's not really a Civ game, right? There's no really military way of going after anybody, even though there is a military track. So it does not seem inordinately unbalanced. Do some of the civs seem better than each other? Sure. Maybe there's like an outlier that you you might take an issue with. But again, for the most part, the civilizations are just slight different pushes to do a slightly different thing to get your resources in a slightly different way. They almost all seem to have interesting and, and reasonably balanced things to do. You know, when you, you hand me a stack of, of over 20 asymmetrical player power options, I don't expect the game to have it 100% perfectly balanced. So, again, is it accurate to say that these are randomly handed out and not perfectly balanced? Yes. Does that make the game not fun? No. Now, the biggest random element for me, though, is the tapestry cards, because the tapestry cards can be very situational. Sometimes you'll get a tapestry card that's fantastic. Sometimes you'll have a few tapestry cards that do nothing. And there are a couple of places where you have the choice to get more tapestry cards or not, but for the most part, you're kind of getting a small fixed number of them as you're going up. These, I think, are a bit more of an issue. I would kind of be inclined to do something like whenever you would draw a tapestry card, instead draw two tapestry cards and discard one, because it is not really fun if you get to your income phase and you got three tapestry cards in your hand and none of them really does much of anything for you. Maybe at some other stage in the game, that tapestry card would have been great. But for you right now, I need to advance at the technology track. That one's terrible. Or I don't have a lot of farm production. That one's terrible. You want to feel like you're doing something cool when you play your tapestry cards. And sometimes that doesn't happen. So that that is a downside. I, I think that can be fixed with maybe doing a two-for-one pick. I wish there was a little bit more... I mean, I guess you either need more options or the tapestry cards need to be less situational. But still, good times. Other criticisms that have been levied. It's not really a civilization game. Yeah, it's not. It's got a a theme of a civilization, but there's a lot of elements that aren't really thematic. And some of the elements that even are slightly thematic, you may only notice if you're actively looking for them. For example, there's technology in this. Usually when you think of something like civilizations and thing mo- and, and the passage of time, you think of something like a technology tree. There's nothing like that here. All of the tech cards are essentially equal. There are a few tech cards that have higher requirements for where somebody has to have advanced on a tech track, or sorry, on one of those tracks on the side of the board in order to do the second advancement. But really, for the most part, it's just like, oh yeah, I want that one that gives me yellow buildings. And it doesn't really matter if the one that gives me yellow buildings is the wheel or polio vaccines or spaceships. (laughs) Although presumably spaceships would give you brown buildings because that's an explore. The technology cards do not carry theme. I mean, they have thematic names on them, I guess. I mean, the names are technological names. And if you squint, 
you know, you might try to deduce some relationship between the benefits of the card and what the name of the technology is, but it, it does not feel like civilization. Each of the spots on the board and each of the spots on your tracks on those player boards when you pick up they actually have a name like when you oh this one's the telephone oh this one's currency we actually the first time we played <laughs> it, it was funny someone like had a card and it's like oh this says that somebody has to have banking for me to be able to advance this technology card what's what's banking and we're like where's banking and we're looking at the we're looking at the other tech cards is there a tech card named banking and we actually did not realize that there were these little labels written under each of the spots where you were picking up the buildings. And, and so that's what it was. It had to be like, oh, wait, when somebody picks up their third gray building, that's labeled banking. So therefore, you can play the banking. We didn't even notice. Again, the spots on the board are labeled technologies. And if you look, there's actually a thematic tie-in, right? Like, oh, well, the tanks spot on the military board gives you a bonus if when you take the conquer action on that spot you're actually taking over another player's territory you can take over other players territories it doesn't really matter that's mostly only relevant for like the one little bit of scoring that is how many spots do you control there's nothing that gets taken away because the building they don't produce any income for having spots on the board so I, I don't know, maybe if we, there would have been a little bit more thematic feeling if we had paid more attention to those labels, but really the main thing is that you're sitting there on your side of the board, you're looking across at the table, you can see the big symbol that says what the spot does, which is the important thing about what the spot does, and you just think it's like, oh, well, that lets me build a spot, that lets me build a spot. So is it super thematic as a civilization game? No, but that's really only a problem if you go into it thinking, oh, this is going to be like a 4X game. And that's just not what Tapestry is. There's a civilization theme to it. It is not a civilization game. And time-wise, I think that th this, this box isn't lying too much. My usual rule of thumb is that all game boxes lie about how long the game takes. I think if you're sticking it to your three or four players, you probably can play in 90 to 120 minutes if everybody knows what they're doing, and you don't have anybody who's too terribly analysis paralysis prone. I know that's a lot of conditions, so is it really a super accurate time on the box? Eh, probably not, but not, you know, any more inaccurate than any other. At least it says 90 to 120 minutes is the play time instead of trying to claim that it's 60 to 120 minutes, because that's not going to happen. Uh, I mean, maybe if you're playing a head-to-head a, a -head version. But I think that covers all the, the criticism. I will mention the one, the funny thing is, I don't, I don't think I've seen anybody else mention it. So maybe I'm the one who's only alone in having this, this thing. Is The one that actually thing I liked the least about the game was the first spot on the science track. Like I said, the science track, it lets you roll a science die, and then that's a 12-sided die, and it comes up with a symbol that matches one of the tracks, and then you advance on that track. Well, the early times on the science track that that roll comes up, you advance, but don't get the benefit. And now on the third spot on the science track, you can choose not to take that. You can just choose to build a building, so you're good. But the very first spot on the science track, you advance, and then you roll your die, and you get advance on another track, but you don't get the benefit. So you've moved up the tracks. Don't get me wrong. Moving up tracks is, in fact, a benefit, usually. But it feels bad. It feels bad bad to just move up tracks, especially a random track, without getting the benefit. It feels bad. When we played, no one wants 
to start going up the science track because the first thing that you do is like you feel like your turn is go up nothing happens it feels lame it feels lame if you got to control which one you went up that would be a lot better because then at least you could try to be like well where's a spot where i don't really want the benefit or like it's a it's not that great a benefit for me so I'll get up to that spot and then I'll advance on the science track and that will let me advance on the other track without getting the benefit. It's my thing. There are other times in the game where it comes up, but either you have a different option or it's late in the game and you're saving tons of resources, you know, and maybe you're getting extra points. But if that first spot, the only benefit is randomly go up somewhere else and don't get the benefit. Oh, it feels, it feels crummy. Out of everything in the game, that is my biggest quibble, is that one spot. That... And I do wish the landmarks, you know, really actually covered up the, the space that they were. But because there's this discussion out there, I, I, I feel the need to ad- address these sorts of things, these criticisms that are out there, and know what's going on. But, but like I said, it's not that there isn't anything there. It's not that there isn't, yeah, there's some randomness in the game. Yeah, it's more of a Euro resource management game than it is a civilization game. Those are accurate. But the game is fun. I liked going up the tracks. I mean, set aside the super fancy produced landmarks, I really liked the little buildings. I mean, there's a reason why Stonemeyer overproduces these things, right? You know, sometimes, you know, okay, it's not that big a deal if there's a, if it's a cube or if it's token or whatever, but like when you do it well, like there's a nice little extra kick. You got to admit, I'm definitely one of the people, I got a nice little extra kick. Those, those little plastic buildings they have in Tapestry are, are great. Just the normal ones. I mean, the, the landmarks are, are fancy and all that. Don't get me wrong. They're, you know, however, you know, what percentage of the volume of the box is taken up by all the plastic of the landmarks. This is not one of those games where, like, you could have fit this game in a box that was half the size. Not going to happen with Tapestry. So I, I think that it is very much worth trying out if you want to play a Euro resource management and engine building game with uh, some interesting elements to it. If you're looking for a civilization game, or you're looking for a game with absolutely no randomness whatsoever, or a game that doesn't have nice components, okay, Tapestry's not going to suit you, but it is nicely produced, and it does what it's supposed to do well. I like it. It's a good game. I think it's worth checking out. That is Tapestry. That is from Stonemeyer Games. It is designed by Jamie Stegmeyer. It is available now. Give it a try. You've been listening to Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming podcast. You can find us on the web at www.strangeassembly.com. You can download other episodes of this podcast there. You can also find us in the Apple Podcast app, in the Google Play Music Store, or anywhere that your podcasts are collected. If you don't see Strange Assembly in your favorite pod collecting app or website, please let me know. I would definitely like to fix that situation. You can reach me. I'm chris at strangeassembly.com. I always love to hear your comments, criticism, feedback, what have you. I'd also like to give uh, an extra thank you to the people who support Strange Assembly on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash strangeassembly. You can also reach out and find more of our stuff on the usual social media sites. We are Strange Assembly on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. But until then, I'm Chris Stevenson, and you've been listening to Strange Assembly. Never stop gaming.